Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash my money health check. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. But the price of oil is uh, clearly one of the most uh, important defining factors. But there again, you've also got the exchange rate. And as we all know, the exchange rate uh, against the dollar, uh, the pound, plunged to its weakest ever levels uh, just a few days ago. So yes, there are a few associated costs, but a you know, quick disclaimer before we start. The biggest cost will be the energy that's going into the car, and it's also the most variable. When we, we ask people what, what concerns you about the public charging or the public charging network, last year around 20% mentioned cost, and this year around 40%, so it, it certainly is going up in consumers' uh, minds in terms of it being being an issue. This week on the podcast, we'll be shining a light on what the energy crisis means for the car industry, especially for those of you who already own or are interested in buying an electric vehicle. With the ban on new petrol and diesel cars coming into force in the UK in just eight years' time, it's no surprise many of us are considering switching. But with spiralling energy costs, how does the cost of fueling an electric vehicle compare with its petrol and diesel equivalents? And what about when you zoom out and compare the overall costs of buying and running one. Well, to get to the bottom of all of this, I'm joined by Adrian Porter, our very own witch expert on everything cars related and a wonderful guest listeners might remember from an earlier show in in the year, Simon Williams from the RAC. Thank you both so much for joining us. Hello. Thanks for having us. So can we start then with the costs of petrol and diesel? Simon, when you joined us at the start of 2022 to talk about the rising costs of commuting, if I remember rightly, diesel had just topped 150p a litre as the cost of living crisis was really starting to escalate. Well, fast forward eight months or so and the average litre is now over 180p according to government data. Costs have been spiralling for drivers, haven't they? It's been a very, very tough um, year for drivers. If only we were back at 150 a litre for diesel mm. this year. Unfortunately, uh, diesel peaked at uh, just short of uh, £2 a litre at 199 uh, and uh, petrol at 191.5, and that was uh, in the early part of July. Since then, uh, the price of oil has come back down, uh, and now the average price of uh, petrol is 163 uh, and diesel 180 as you mentioned. Uh, and that's been good news for drivers because it's uh, saved £16 a tank from the peak for uh, petrol and uh, £10 a tank for uh, diesel. So things are better, but they could be still better uh, because um, retailers have been taking a far bigger margin than they normally do, uh, up around 17 pence a litre as opposed to the long-term average of 7 pence a litre, so 10p more than normal. So that means that uh, prices have been uh, higher than they should have been And the 
fault really lies uh, with the biggest retailers, the big four supermarkets that sell fuel, uh, because their margins are far higher. And often we've had situations where the independents uh, are far cheaper than the supermarkets, which is not normally the case. Normally, the supermarkets are around 4p a litre cheaper than everyone else. Well, Simon, can you talk to us a little bit more about why costs are continuing to rise? Because looking at the trading costs of a barrel of oil, it's been coming down for the last few months. In, in fact, compared with January this year, there's very little in it. So why does the sky high price of fuel seem to tell a different story? Um, drivers uh, probably aren't doing as many miles as they have done. So I think retailers are have altered their behaviour in terms of the margin they take, uh, which hasn't been good, especially as the Competition and Markets Authority are looking at fuel retailers' behaviour. And we've actually given evidence to them about the way we see things. Mm. Uh, but the price of oil is uh, clearly one of the most uh, important defining factors. But there again, you've also got the exchange rate. And as we all know, the exchange rate uh, against the dollar, uh, the pound plunged to its weakest ever levels uh, just a few days ago. Uh, that's really important because fuel like oil is traded in dollars. So we always need the pound to be as strong as possible against the dollar. Uh, so that isn't helping at the moment. So if the oil price climbs, then uh, we're going to end up um, going back towards those high prices. And if we got to $100 a barrel, we'd probably be looking at an average petrol price of around 175 as of uh, Wednesday, uh, OPEC, the uh, oil producers group and their allies met and they agreed, unfortunately for drivers, a two million barrels a day production cut. Now, that is inevitably what's designed to increase the price of oil, which is just not, not what we need at the moment at all, because that's going to lead to prices going up. Bear in mind though that retailers are taking a bigger margin than normal, so they may well absorb some of that. And we might see margins return to more normal levels. But if they don't, then prices could start going up immediately. Gosh, well, before we talk about how the cost of fueling an electric car compares with petrol and diesel, can we discuss now the, the initial cost of buying one? Um, Adrian, at the start of the episode, I mentioned the soon-to-be ban on the sale of new petrol and diesel cars from 2030. So how interested now then are consumers in going electric at the moment? Very interested, uh, I think is the short answer, or at least uh, a lot more interested uh, than people have been previously. Um, I mean, firstly, this is evidenced by just the the climbing number of people who are actually going out and buying uh, electric mm. cars. I think the, the latest data from the SMMT sort of year to date, 15% of new car sales or 40.5% of new car sales um, are uh, pure electric cars compared to 9.5% um, this time last year. Now, we've also done our own uh, surveys and investigations into this. And what we found is that over just over a third of people, 34% of people, uh, those who are considering uh, replacing their car in the next two years are thinking of buying electric, uh, making it the second most sort of popular fuel type that people might buy. Um, you might say, unfortunately, the most um, popular one still, though, is petrol. So 55% of people we spoke to are still planning to buy petrol. But to go back to the electric, you know, we've asked similar questions uh, before, and that's certainly a lot higher uh, than it has been. Uh, the interest just seems to keep, go keep going up and up. Now, 
You mentioned the ban as well. We've also been asking people who you know don't own an electric car, who might be buying an electric car, sort of what are the motivators behind that decision? And the ban does seem to be having, or the upcoming 2030 ban does seem to be having a little bit of an influence. It's far from being the biggest motivator, but uh, one in four people we spoke to said you know the ban was you know one of the reasons they would consider uh, going electric. Um, but you know far more popular are reasons around uh, running costs, uh, the cost of fuel versus cost uh, of electricity and uh, just environmental reasons. Um, another one is just the uh, convenience of being able to charge from home. Though, of course, you know, you you, know, you need a, a driveway or a garage or dedicated off-street parking in order to take advantage of that. And what about the costs of, of buying an electric vehicle? Are, generally speaking, are they more expensive? Because surely that would also put people off. Yes, generally, I was having a look at Auto Trader this morning and their uh, Road to 2030 report, and they're still stating, I believe it's a 36% for a new electric car uh, compared to an ICE uh, vehicle. Mm. ICE being uh, an internal combustion engine vehicle, so that also uh, would include hybrids. And is there much government uh, funding available to kind of help you with that initial outlay? It's it's sort of been reduced, really. I mean, early this year, we lost uh, the, the plug-in car grant, uh, which mm. reduced the initial buying cost. Now, this has been uh, reduced over a number of years um, to uh, affect sort of cheaper and cheaper cars and whatnot. Uh, we've also seen the end of the uh grant that sort of would um, fund a, a wall box or subsidize a wall box if you're having a domestic charge point put in a home. We haven't lost it completely. What I should say is that uh, the grant is no longer open to um, people who own their own homes. It's now open to uh, people who are in sort of rented accommodation and uh, those who are in flats. We at the RST are really uh, keen to see the plug-in car grant come back again. Um, but at a lower level, because it was even though it had been reduced, as Adrian said, over a number of years, it had actually helped um, motivate uh, manufacturers to launch cheaper models. And we really think that's important because uh, initially uh, lots of the models were very expensive and therefore uh, were more taken up by more affluent people. Uh, what we'd like to see is um, the uh, EVs to become more affordable and therefore uh, getting less affluent people into them. We think that would be a really good thing. And we're working with uh, the campaign group Fair Charge, which was set up by Quentin Wilson uh, to help with that. And the other key part of that campaign is to not everyone, as Adrian pointed out, has the opportunity to be able to charge at home. So lots of people have to rely on public charging, uh, which is unfortunately um, the electricity is charged at 20% VAT as opposed to 5% at home. So all those people who couldn't charge at home would be forced to pay higher costs due to the disparity in the VAT rates. Just to echo what Simon was saying, the, the last version of the plug-in car grant applied to cars that were £32,000 or less and removed £1,500 from that price. Now, taking that away means that, you know, for someone who was really stretching their budget to to get to a, an electric car under 30000 or £32,000, and not a huge amount to choose from, just puts, you know, £1,500 out of reach or further out of reach. So it's taking the possibility of a new electric car away from those who are uh, less affluent than others. It really does feel crucial that prices do come down to, to be more affordable uh, for the masses, doesn't it? 
Can we also cover then whether there is an issue with wait times to actually get your vehicle once you've bought it? Um, Earlier today, actually, our producer Rob was talking about a friend of his having to wait a year and a half uh, to get their electric vehicle uh, that they bought in the summer of 2021, which is a heck of a long time. Um, Is this telling of a backlog of orders across the board? And how does it compare to new petrol and diesel vehicles? Obviously, manufacturers have been through a very difficult time uh, from the pandemic when all the uh, semiconductors, the microchips were diverted to personal devices. uh, And it's taken some time to get back uh, to uh, higher production uh, levels. And just uh, last month, we've seen an increase in the number of cars uh, being registered for the first time, which is good news. I think there's a tremendous demand for electric vehicles, but people are having to wait uh, some considerable time. Uh, But the wait is actually worth it. Once you actually get your car, you're going to be benefiting from all kinds of savings and uh, the experience of driving an electric car. Well, just before we get to charging costs, Adrian, if you are lucky enough to already own an electric vehicle or you have one on the way, can you talk us through any other associated costs here? Because there are plenty, aren't there? So, yes, there are a few associated costs, but, you know, a quick disclaimer before we start. The biggest cost will be the energy that's going into the car. And it's also the most variable thanks to like the different energy costs and the different efficiencies of uh, electric cars, which we'll come to later. But to to go into the other sort of other associated costs and cost savings of EVs, uh, you could say for for those who can charge from home, uh, the domestic charge point is going to be sort of a a potentially reasonably big upfront investment, uh, depending on whether your electric car actually came with one uh, or not, but you might end up paying sort of, you know, a thousand, twelve hundred pounds for a uh, domestic charge point, especially if you don't qualify uh, for that brand, i.e. if you are a home owner. Uh, But once you have a domestic charge point or a smart domestic charge point at home, that sort of opens the gate uh, for you to sign up to say like a a special EV tariff, um, which uh, some of which, you know, stipulate that you have to have a a smart charger uh, at home. Now, the reason you might want to look at EV tariffs if you have an EV or uh, off-peak uh, charging tariffs is because it dramatically drops uh, the cost of the car or just uh, cost of charging the car. You know, you are saving hundreds and hundreds of pounds uh, per year and you'll sort of quickly pay off that domestic charging point. Beyond that is actually sort of the lack of cost. So electric car owners do not have to pay any car tax, which I believe is currently 165 or 155 pounds uh, per year from second year onwards uh, for non-electric cars. Or if it costs over £40,000 to buy, uh, there's a a surplus that you will pay on top of that. Um, Electric cars don't have to pay any of that. And if you look into maintenance plans for electric cars, because electric cars have so sort of fewer moving parts than non-electric cars, uh, maintenance plans uh, tend to be a lot cheaper as well. Okay, so let's talk then about the biggest outgoing after the initial purchase, and that's charging it. We've talked at length on the podcast in previous episodes about rising energy costs. So what does this mean for the cost of fueling a vehicle? For the latest on how much electricity prices have been rising, I caught up with which energy expert Marianne Cownan in the office earlier this week. So energy unit rates have been frozen for the next two years. So that's until October 2024. And that's through the energy price guarantee. So the guarantee means that a typical household's energy bills will now work out at around £2,500 a year. And that's up from the level of £1,971 a year as it was set in April. So a typical unit price for electricity was 28 pence per kilowatt hour, 
but this has now increased to 34 pence per kilowatt hour on the 1st of October. So unit rates are the cost per unit of gas and electricity that you use and your energy provider calculates them using your meter readings. So what we're looking at here is a 27% increase on a typical user's annual energy bill and that covers your gas and electricity. Standing charges have risen as well. So daily standing charges, which is essentially what you pay to have your home connected to the grid, was 45p for electricity, and that's increased slightly to 46p a day for electricity. I should say a really important point Marianne makes there is that the energy price guarantee doesn't actually mean there's a £2,500 cap on your energy bills. Uh, The figure is, is what an average household will pay, meaning if you use more, you'll pay more. So Adrian, how much more could an electric car add to your bills? If we take charging at home first, what kind of costs are we looking at to charge an electric car? Well, the good news is if you're able to charge from home, then you'll certainly be paying a lot less uh, to run your electric car uh, than if you're dependent on the public charging infrastructure or, you know, compared to petrol and diesel, you are certainly going to be paying a lot uh, less. So uh, to Put some figures around it. It depends on the the size and the efficiency of your car. We're all used to, you know, small cars. Um, say if it's running on petrol, diesel, or petrol being more efficient than sort of uh, big stonking SUVs. Uh, but exactly the same thing is true in electric cars too. So it depends what sort of car you're driving. Now, if you're driving a small uh, city uh, car or just a small car like a Peugeot E208, for example, you know you'll be paying around. 800, 820 pounds per year. That's based on driving 8,100 miles and the new uh, unit energy rate of 34 pence per kilowatt hour. Um, That's an increase of about 140 pounds compared to what it would have been on the previous uh, unit rate of 28 pence uh, per kilowatt hour. Um, If you go up through the the car uh, classes up through to the the mid-large SUV, you're paying around a thousand pounds or just over a thousand pounds for a mid or large SUV over the same uh, sort of distance. That's about 13 pence per mile. um, And that's an increase of about 185 pounds over a year or 8,100 miles uh, compared to uh, the previous price. Um, but of course, you know, that is still much, much cheaper than running uh, petrol or diesel equivalents. Um, the big difference is whether you can then uh, charge on um, an EV tariff. So taking Octopus Go as an example, um, you can charge at 7.5 pence per kilowatt hour uh, between the hours of uh, half past 12 and half past four um, in the morning. Now, this uh, leads to quite phenomenal uh, price savings. If you you uh, take a sort of your, your average electric car, so take an average across all the car classes, you'll be paying sort of a £925 a year uh, to run it over 8,100 miles. Take that 7.5 pence per kilowatt hour EV tariff, that goes down to just over £200. That means you go in uh, from uh, paying 11.5 pence per mile to 2.5 pence per mile, um, according to the efficiencies in our test. So you can see the the savings there are phenomenal. Now, obviously, with off-peak comes on-peak, um, and I've just, you know, I've been tapping into the uh, the Octopus uh, website this morning. So for myself, I was quoted 40.75 pence per kilowatt hour outside of the off-peak tariff, um, and that will take it up to 13.6p per hour, or 1,100 pounds. So you know, if you do have an EV tariff, you definitely want to make use of it because the, as you say, the savings there are, um, you know, phenomenal. 
but only those who can charge from home and can actually get a wall ch- a domestic charge point installed at home. And uh, we found one in five people with off-street parking couldn't actually get one installed. It was either impossible or they just said too expensive to do so. And you mentioned it being cheaper than, than fueling your, your petrol or your, your diesel equivalent. How, how does it compare? So when you're comparing uh, the cost of running an electric car against a petrol or diesel or a hybrid uh, equivalent, um, looking at electric costs, you're looking at sort of nine, 10 pence per mile in a city or small car. And this is taking that 34 pence per kilowatt hour. So the the, the standard tariff as opposed to an EV only one, um, whereas the equivalent petrol car would be 15 or 16 or even 17 pence per mile. So, you know, there's already, there's a, that's a huge percentage difference uh, between the two. And it sort of, sort of carries on with the, the different classes of car as well. So um, you, you've got a big, mid-large uh, SUV. You're looking at 13 pence um, per mile on average. Whereas if you were to look at a petrol or diesel version, you're looking at uh, 20 pence or more per mile. So yeah, there really is a big uh, savings to be had here. The difficulty is when we then start going over to public charging. From our side, you know, we've found the, the tipping rate um, with everything and the current fuel prices is around uh, 45 to 55 pence per kilowatt hour. Uh, with our test, with our efficiencies, what we found um, is that once you start tripping over the, that uh, point, it can start to become more uh, costly to charge with electricity. Um, the most extreme we've seen at the moment is, uh, I think it's uh, Osprey charging one pound per kilowatt hour. Um, and that's uh, true as of today. Uh, we don't know if that's going to reduce in the future. Um, but, you know, if you're charging at home at 34 pence per kilowatt hour and charging, you know, 60, 65 pence or one pound per kilowatt hour in the public charging network, uh, you can see that costs um, outside of the home or we'll charge from home uh, spiral significantly. Well, let's talk a bit more then about charging on the move. Um, Simon, there's a huge network of, of chargers across the country. How much more will these cost you than if you plug in at home? The REC has recently launched a REC Charge Watch. Uh, we review and uh, monitor the price of uh, public rapid and ultra rapid uh, charging. And uh, we've noticed uh, since May, uh, uh, prices per kilowatt hour have reached 63 pence for a rapid. Uh, that's up 42% or 19 pence per kilowatt hour. Now that's increased the cost of charging to uh, a 64 kilowatt battery, uh, something like uh, a Kia e-Nero, for example, to 80%, which is as fast as you can, as far as you can go with a rapid charge. Because once you get to 80, then the car then automatically uh, slows down to more normal charging. So we've looked at that and that's gone up nearly £10 since May. Um, and compared to a year ago, it's up nearly £14. So definitely, definitely increased. Uh, but you have to look at this more as uh, more like motorway fuel. Uh, if you're on a journey and you need to get your car charged back up or you're on a journey and you need to get more fuel, often it's motorway services. And as we all know, they charge the highest prices across the UK with electric you're very much looking just to put enough in to get you uh, back to home ideally where you have your home charger or somewhere cheaper where you can recharge pretty much the same uh, as petrol or diesel so um, it's definitely an increase but it's not uh, uh, a deal breaker in terms of switching to an electric car because even at um, 
at charging at home at the new energy price guarantee of 34 pence a kilowatt hour, you can charge your electric vehicle up um, to 100% for around £22. And in the case of the Kia Nero, it's going to give you around 240 miles. So even though that's £4 more than it was um, just uh, a few weeks ago, uh, it is still uh, a lot cheaper than uh, putting petrol into your car. Going back to what we mentioned earlier about the VAT rate, um, Instavolt announced an update to their tariff. This was on the 10th of August this year, and they made a, a, a really sort of interesting point. They said, you know, we're raising our prices to 66 pence per kilowatt hour across you know, all customers and all payment types. Um, but if that uh, 20% VAT rate for electricity on the public charging network was reduced to 5% VAT, as it is for those who are charging from home, uh, that rate, as an example, would be 58 pence per kilowatt hour, uh, which I imagine would lead to uh, some pretty decent savings. Yes, and when you extrapolate that to uh, REC ChargeWatch uh, figures, which showed that uh, the average cost of uh, rapid charging a vehicle to 80% uh, was £32, and that's... Uh, that's based on an average of 63 pence per kilowatt hour, that would drop to, that total charge to 80% would drop to uh, 28 pounds. So quite a considerable saving there, four pounds saving on that that 80% charge. Well, on this, we've also been speaking to Melanie Shufflebotham, co-founder of ZapMap, which is a UK-wide map of electric car charging points to help you find your nearest one. And Melanie has been telling me how many providers have been passing higher prices down to their users. One thing we do at ZapMap is we have live availability data. So we are actually tracking all of the the charge point sessions that go on the network and also the, the prices that people are paying. So we're able to create a a weighted average price for the different types of charging. And absolutely, we've seen a, a significant increase in, in the cost of charging over the last six months or so. So to give you an idea for sort of rapid or ultra rapid chargers, so those are the on-route chargers, they've gone up from 35 pence per kilowatt hour, so that would be around 10 pence per mile, uh, to around 60, 65 pence uh, per kilowatt hour, which is roughly 17 or 18 pence per mile. So so a significant increase. We've recently done a survey. And when we, we asked people what, what concerns you about the public charging or the public charging network, last year around 20% mentioned cost and this year around 40%. So it, it certainly is going up in consumers' uh, minds in terms of it being being an issue. Adrian, here at which we've been looking at the cheapest and most expensive cars to charge right now. You carried out this super useful piece of work. Um, Can you share some of your findings with us? Absolutely, yes. So, um, as I mentioned earlier, um, electric cars, you know, we're used to non-electric cars, i.e. your petrol, your diesel, some are so much more efficient than others. Um, Exactly the same is true uh, of electric cars. So, we've been looking at the the most efficient electric cars uh, and some of the least efficient, and that will obviously translate to uh, how much you are going to pay, whether you're charging at home or out using the public charging infrastructure. So, up until recently, the most uh, efficient new 
new car you could buy was actually the original Hyundai Ionic uh, Electric. Uh, it was phenomenally efficient, uh, despite being a large car. Well, that has actually come off sale this year. Um, so sort of the next most efficient uh, EV you can buy right now, according to our tests, uh, ones that we've tested, is actually the Hyundai Kona electric uh, so they're they're small suv um hyundai have a, a fantastic ability to make um really efficient cars so on our test the hyundai kona electric uh, the cost of charging at home using that 34 pence per kilowatt hour you'll be paying around 9.1 pence per mile uh, due to its you know just fantastic uh, efficiency if you were to compare that against the the least efficient small suv we uh, currently have figures for which is the volvo xc40 reach charge and this is the dual motor version that initially came out not the single motor version uh, that has more recently uh, appeared on the market you're looking at 15.8 pence per mile so much much higher now if you want to put sort of annual figures on it that means going from paying 740 pounds per year up to 1275 pounds per year or, you know that's over a 500 pound uh, increase. So it can really make a massive difference when you're looking at the cost of how much an electric car uh, costs to run. Um, now we have a few more examples on the website as well, uh, but the most efficient uh, mid to large SUV that we've come across is the BMW iX. Now this is a very, very expensive car, but the reason we are uh, mentioning it is because um, this is a large two and a half ton SUV uh, that costs about the same amount to, to run as your typical mid-size uh, electric hatchback. It's a phenomenal uh, achievement uh, from BMW and it will cost around 11.2 pence uh, per mile. Then if we were to, to skip to the most costly electric car we've uh, come across to date uh, across all the classes, uh, we need to look at the Mercedes EQV. You know, this is a this is a large luxury people carrier. It was never going to be efficient. It's not built to be uh, the most efficient electric car that we've uh, you'll ever drive. Uh, but if you look at the cost of charging from home, say 34 pence per kilowatt hour, you're looking at 16.9 pence uh, per mile. But if you were to charge that uh, publicly, let's say you are, you know, you did have to visit one of those en route uh, charges uh, that Simon mentioned earlier, and you were paying uh, 65 pence per kilowatt hour, you know, you're paying at this point 32.3 pence per mile, according to the uh, efficiency that we recorded in our tests. So ultimately, then the big question, taking into account the costs of buying and running one, are electric vehicles always the cheaper options in the long run? Yes, I would say so. Um, now, what we've, despite the upfront cost of electric cars being much, much higher, if you are buying outright, you will earn that money back, especially uh, if you can charge from home, you'll earn it back a bit quicker. But, you know, taking in the maintenance costs, taking in the um, the lack of car tax, we have found, you know, it will take a number of years for those who have bought outright uh, in order to, to get your money back, but you will get it back. Uh, even with the very high uh, electric costs or charging publicly, you know, you will eventually get that money back but you know you're in it you're in it for the long run um but it will it will, should become cheaper over time i think the other thing to uh, consider is uh, and a lot of people had uh, doubts about this is that the uh, second hand value of the car uh, is going to be good uh, people have had doubts about how long the batteries would last but i think uh, experience is uh, proving that this is uh, 
better than ever. And obviously, the, the second-hand value of cars are high at the moment anyway. But I think uh, with the move towards electric as we head towards 2030 and the ban on the sale of new petrol and diesels, uh, your electric vehicle will hold its value extremely well and there'll be a big demand for it. There aren't enough second-hand uh, EVs on the market at the moment, so um, people are very keen to get their hands on them to benefit from all those cost savings we've been talking about. Yeah, I completely echo that. And again, from our sort of reliability surveys year on year, uh, we ask people about the state of their battery and uh, we are finding that uh, batteries are holding their charge relatively well and almost no one is having to replace or fully replace like the, the big uh, lithium-ion batteries in their cars. But people do still equate it with a 12-volt uh, battery in their petrol and diesel cars um, and having to replace it every few years. You know, we keep saying that's not the case and uh, we are accruing more and more evidence uh, to support that so yeah if you have an ev don't worry about the battery life in your ev or uh, much degradation because they seem to be holding up pretty well thank you so much to adrian and simon for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the witch money podcast if you enjoyed today's show please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch us again next week for more money news and advice find us on social media at witch money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money and we also have a free money newsletter which is delivered to your inbox every monday to sign up visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter This episode of the Witch Money podcast was recorded, produced and edited by Rob Lilly with additional support from Ian Aikman and Grace Witherden.